This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 528 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and TotalSaddleFit.com. On today's show, we are going to bring you the next installment for our book club, Core Conditioning for Horses. After that, we will have an interesting discussion with Karen Isberg about hay, and then Reese and I will talk about a common training issue. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hey there, Phil. Hi, Reese. How are you doing? <laughs> I am good. It's been a busy week around here, keeping me out of trouble for sure. What have you been up to? Tell me. <laughs> well, so next week here in Lexington is the AECs. And please, if anyone's in town that is a listener, I'd love to meet you. So we have lots of people coming for the American Eventing Championships. So uh, a lot of my, I have a lot of horses also competing. So they're kind of taking precedence this week, getting everybody ready. And, and the, it's interesting getting event horses ready versus dressage horses because they have other phases to do. And right, it's right. even they more their time a little bit. Yes. Yeah, and, and yeah. Focus on different things. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, just like any championship sources are seeing the vet and they're seeing the chiropractor and, you know, all the all the things along with uh, they have to get their gallops in. And it's quite hard here right now. We've not had a lot of rain. We went from a lot of rain in June into no rain. Uh, So it's really hard here. I heard they are irrigating the the cross country course, actually, but it's hard to prep horses. Yeah. And get them ready because it's hard. So yeah, so that's keeping us out of trouble. And yeah, just uh, getting back in routine after I was in Maryland. So uh, it's all good. And uh, you had a successful show, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we were busy showing horses and I was doing some coaching and whatever. And we've got a really actually special horse, uh, a six-year-old that I've been showing this summer. He's gotten out to a couple of shows now and he's uh, scoring quite well in the FEI six-year-old tests which is uh, really fun. Really, you know, it's, I didn't know whether he was going to be able to show this test uh, earlier this year. Um, it's, you know, with the young horses, it's kind of how it goes. You're like, well, if he's, is he going good? You know, take him out and show him. If he's not, we can train some more. And so at this, you know, at this stage, the six-year-old stage is when they learn how to do a flying change. That's mm-hmm. not always go straight forward, you know, and uh, <laughs> I really like them to be confident and to be able to, you know, for my own confidence as well, to not be like, well, is he going to do the change? Or, so I won't show them if yeah. it's like a 50-50 thing. But he actually yeah, yeah. kind of clicked in, clicked in around in, in June, and I was prepared to him, and, and I've shown him, I think I've done the six-year-old test a bunch of times. But he's he's won a whole lot, and he's scoring mm-hmm. in the, I think his top score was 7-5. Mm-hmm. So this is a horse we're really excited about, and he's, he's done fantastic, Ooh. so. Over the winter, his owner is going to take him over, and and we're going to keep moving up the levels, hopefully, and and keep going. And uh, and uh, we've just been really happy about this horse. And uh, yeah, that's 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 been what's going it's on. So fun! I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, yeah. congratulations! It's a really really exciting for me too. So to watch you, yeah, well, go we're and, now and just going to well. 
slow down a little bit, right? That that last weekend was basically the last show of our of our season for what they call the gold tier, you know, the gold shows. So uh, that's about it. I don't know. Now I'm gonna focus on other things, and uh, we're gonna you know like to have a little end of season discussion with all my students and just kind of plan on what we're gonna be doing for the next couple of months, few months, and see where we're at. Yeah. And that's the difference for your season versus ours. You know, we're, we're, we usually settle down a little bit in the summer because it's so hot. And then we're about ready to ramp up for the fall season. So I'm always a little bit jealous when you're like, man, done for the year. (laughs) And we're starting back. (laughs) So it's, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to lie, a little jealous sometimes. (laughs) But yeah, you have a much shorter season and your horses have to go a much harder uh, for, you know, they have to go almost every weekend. So. It's, yep. Um, yep. Yeah, it's a different yep. season. So, yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, we have a great um, show today, and we're very excited about Drumroll, please, our next book from Trafalgar Square. And you can find this book at horseandriderbooks.com. And we're always excited with Trafalgar. Uh, they're a great partner with us and always help us find great books that we feel like you guys will enjoy. And I'm very excited about this book. And we have Simon Krakosa. He is the author of Core Conditioning for Horses, a yoga-inspired warm-up technique. Increase suppleness, improve bend, and unlock optimal movement. So we hope you enjoy our discussion with Simon. Well, tonight we are so excited to announce our book club, our next installment of the Dressage Radio Show Book Club. And we have Simon Kokoza on, and he is the author of Core Conditioning for Horses. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, we're really excited to have you. And uh, we were just chatting off air. I also try, I practice a little bit of yoga, and I, I also bring that into my teaching a little bit with horses. So I love the yoga-inspired warm-up techniques. So can you tell us, start us off, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you got into this and started the book. Well, I'm a, a European dressage trainer, and I uh, currently work as a French state examiner for La Fédération Française d'Equitation, and I'm based in Normandy, France. But my, my personal focus, my area of interest and in research is applied equine biomechanics. Now, really, it's a broad subject, but I translate that into getting the whole horse to work correctly from the inside, from, from, from the horse's core. Now, you, you, you asked me, sorry, what, what inspired me to write the book? Yeah, what's, what inspired you? It's such, a, it's such an interesting um, thought process. And like you said, it's something that we need with all horses. So what inspired you to write the book and become an author? Well, let me see. Uh, in the classical training, of course, um, we all use similar methods, and they're very well established, established for centuries. But what I've found, and I'm sure we've all found this, is that you know these these classical principles they work very very well with the very talented horses, the, the horses for which they were designed and written for that by the masters. The masters didn't ride the cart horses; they rode pick of the bunch, the the cream of the crop of the of the Royal Breeding Program. So, of course, a lot of our history revolves around training ideal specimens, and we just don't all ride ideal specimens. So I was finding myself looking for answers that weren't in classical equitation, answers to how to make, you know, your, your, your ordinary, nice horses go well, perform their best. And, and really answer the question why so many horses are excellently bred but are very mediocre performers and don't seem to um, perform that well on a long-term basis. So that There had to be another way. 
And uh, so I, I began looking at the, the, the construction of the horse, how they're put together physically, because I have a, a background in sciences. And I started to notice that, in fact, a lot of the, the, the draining issues that we deal with commonly, whether it be mouth issues or, or, or back issues or, or paces that aren't what they could be, crookedness and so on, although they seem to appear to be coming from the front or the back or the legs, they're actually really coming from the horse's back. And when I started to, to look at ways of, 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 of influencing the horse's back and strengthening the horse's back in, in, a, in the correct way, um, the other symptoms and riding issues and blockages in the horse's development started to go away. That was the beginning. Sounds fantastic. So talk to me about the yoga inspired. You know, how did you, how did you come with that sort of way of approaching the stiffness? Well, with, with, with the scales of training that, that we normally use, of course, the, the, the suppleness aspect comes, comes quite late on in the pyramid. And I think that when I started to look at what was practically working with horses while experimenting with bends and uh, range of motion work and stretches, was that uh, after a while it became quite clear that I wasn't looking at sports training or equine training. I was looking at human training. And uh, the one that re it really resonated with was yoga. You know, it almost came to me. It wasn't really the other way around. So the principles of yoga, the slow, low-impact, sensitive, repetition, range of motion, stretching, building body confidence, this really resonates with both the horse's physiology and it's the horse's psychology because, of course, one of the, the, the major problems we suffer from is tension in the horse and um, psychological tension as well as, as well as physical. So the, the principles of yoga really just slotted into the, to the, to, to the horse's um, needs. And, uh, and I found after consulting with yoga instructors and yoga teachers that the work that was having an excellent effect on the horse's vertebrate physiology had an identical yoga equivalent. And that's really where it all went. Yeah, huh. that makes sense. I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, maybe you could give us a little snippet or an example from the book, Simon, that of, you know, something more precise about exactly what you're talking about or, or something that somebody is going to find in the book that might help them. Yes, of course. Well, let me see. The, one of my go-to exercises, uh, is, well, in the book, I have a number of different exercise programs. All of them are yoga movements, but some of the, 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 the four programs serve different purposes. The, the, the book it can be tailored to your individual horse. If you want more communication, there's a program of yoga exercises that develop communication. If your horse needs more flexibility, there's a program of exercises that develop that. One of the go-to exercises that I enjoy very much is the core release vaults. Now, these are two six-meter circles uh, that we change the rein where they touch. Now, we use a lot of inside flexion to realign the spine. And only a six-meter curvature will align the spine correctly to the point where the vertebrae line up between the shoulder blades and the head can drop. And then when the head drops, we have a vertical rounding of the back and a back stretch as well as a lateral back stretch. And this exercise, we do it in walk. And when the horse absolutely gets it in walk, we go into a very light trot decolle, you know, just very soft trot and eventually develop it into a canter with a flying change. And uh, it, it teaches the horse coordination from very, very basic and low-impact principle. But it 
stretches the top line as well as the outside of the horse. And it's critical, crucial. And you can turn the horses around simply with that one exercise. And its yoga equivalent is the yoga half moon, which I don't know if you recall, Reese. it's the one where you stretch over sideways and stretch all the muscles down the outside of your body. Exactly the same yeah. for the horse as for the human. Well, and it makes sense. You know, I, I, again, I, I'm, I would not be a yoga master, but I enjoy the, my practice. And as I've gotten older, which I'm not old, but I've gotten stiffer. <laughs> and the more, it, the more I spend time in that particular area, the better I feel and the better I ride. And actually, I, the less back problems I've had myself. So I sort of, I understand the concept because going to class or even doing it at home or, or the principle of just stretching every morning and paying attention to that is really important. And um, I think with horses and with people, like you said, I, you know, even just taking it to humans, I maybe am not the ideal athlete, but I can make my body do things with training. And it's the same thing with horses. And I, and I love what, what you're saying about over, you know, a little bit more flexion than you would normally have. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that's really important because if a horse can't move its head, sometimes you need to help them do that, correct? Well, I think we have to look at the horse as being uh, as much as a flexible entity as we are. You know, you know that the spine is, is absolutely full of, of joints and each mm -hmm. one of them has to be playing its little part. And if any of it stops, the entire horse stops working correctly. So the, the, the trick is to pretty much restore what's already there. But the, there's, a, there's one aspect, of course, that the horse has to deal with that, that we don't, is they're carrying a human being on their back. And this is actually probably what sets the problems off in the first place, because the, the core muscles that hold the spine in its sort of ideal longitudinal angle, where all the joints are free to move, if, if those muscles aren't strong enough, which, of course, they're not designed to be, as soon as we get on the horse, we don't see it because it's very slight, but we were actually changing the, the shape of the spine. And the horse can adapt to this because they're, they're four-wheel drives. They start to you know, pull themselves with their front legs and drive with the back legs, but they leave the back a little bit hollow, just sort of taking the weight. And so, of course, we have to, if we're going to ride the horse, we have to negate this so that our body weight doesn't affect the way in which their spine works because it just shuts the body down. And obviously, because they have spinal processes, um, we can get side effects like kissing spine where, where horses are actually in pain. There's bone-to-bone -bone contact. Mm -hmm. I, I, can, I can just give you a little factoid, actually, on that, because I like collecting factoids. Yeah. There was a, yeah. Yeah, there's a, a study by Dr. Matilda Holmer in 2005 at Munich Veterinary University. She took final x-rays of 295 healthy horses. These, these are not horses that have been um, put in for spinal x-rays because they have a back problem. These are just standard sales x-rays just to find out what was going in, on with the spine. So that's 295 healthy uh, riding horses. And she found that only 8.5% had clean spinal profile. Wow. 90, yeah, I know. 91% had bone damage to at least one vertebrae and its partner. 51% had several. So this, this means that horses, are, that these, these are jumping horses, these are dressage horses, these are valuable horses, and they are performing, yet they have bone-to-bone -bone contact in their spine. That's amazing. Isn't it? Yeah, that's really amazing. Yeah, interesting. 
Well, you see, the thing is, again, I think that the reason we don't, we haven't as yet really taken this information on board, because it almost seems unbelievable, because how can the horse have bone-to-bone contact? You know, we'd be crippled. Well, what it is, unfortunately, is the horse isn't like a cat or a dog. They don't scream for help. Part of their profile is they have to disguise their pain, because, of course, their predators look for the slow one and the lame one. So their whole psyche is about hiding their difficulty and sort of plowing ahead. And as a result, we just don't realize what our horses are going through. And, um, and we tend to assume that horses may be limited or being difficult and sort of anthropomorphize their behavior. Where in fact, if a horse I, I'm finding now and very much regret some of the decisions I've made in the past because of it, in that when I see horses having psychological issues and maybe being difficult or, or not being able to do things physically, I, I go straight to the fact that they might be battling with a problem that's invisible and cure that. And the horse can, can then be happy and perform. And uh, it's quite shocking <laughs> when you realize yeah. that. No, I think that's, that's so true. And that's what's so interesting about your book. Like, for example, you go, you talk about, uh, I just opened the book and you're talking about the cow pose, you know, the cat and cow pose. But, but just for my own sake, I can feel my spine moving when I'm doing those exercises. So it would make sense that those are the kind of exercises you would do with your horses. How much yoga knowledge do you need? You know, if you don't know anything about yoga, is that something that should uh, we learn it in the book, or how does that work? Absolutely not. My, my, you know, I'm, I'm, my job is I'm a trainer, and what I've got to try to do is I've got to try and help people to help their horses, really. That's the mm-hmm. bottom line. And so I, I wrote the book deliberately in a way where you, you really actually don't need to have a level. You don't even have to have a discipline. I want people with show jumpers, thoroughbreds, quarter horses, Hanoverians, doesn't matter what you've got. It, by doing a 20-minute warm-up of just the right stretches and just the right range of motion exercises can really help the horse start their physical effort in, in the best possible way with the loosest back, with the roundest back. With the best attitude, and and what happens is it allows you to get further each day. And I think that that's one of the most in, interesting things is horses that don't progress very fast. We can actually change that, and you don't need special skills. You know, you don't need to be uh, an Olympic dressage rider to to turn your horse around. It's quite yeah. simple. Mm. Well, your book is is fantastic. It has great pictures. It has it's very clearly written. Like I said, I couldn't wait when I saw it come in the mail. I was really excited to get get started with it. Um, thank you. So it's fantastic. Well, Simon, we can't thank you enough for your time. And uh, like I said, we're really excited to feature your book in our book club. I think everyone is really going to enjoy it. And if they have any questions, how can they how can they find you? Well, you can go to my website, and I've got an email address there. That's www.viscontecacosta.com. I also have a Facebook page, same name, and a Facebook page called Core Conditioning for Horses. So you can always send me a PM there. If you've got a difficult horse or you're having trouble working out what to do, just send me a message. I'm always willing to help because if we're not here to help horses, then we're not really here to do anything. So it's, it's really a primary concern of mine. Agreed. I think that's, that's why we do this show as well. So we're so excited to feature your book. And thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you very much, Reese. I appreciate it. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. 
you call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Microphase vitamin and mineral supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. We are so happy to have Karen Isberg, Kentucky Performance Products President, on the line and our regular guest now. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's always fun to be here. And we love having you. And we have a really important topic that I don't think we think about enough. So get let's get to it. What do you think? Yeah, I'm ready. I, I, <laughs> we, I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about hay today. I love you know, it. <laughs> hay is the hay is the foundation of your feeding program. I get very excited when I talk about hay because <laughs> hay is so good for your horse. You know, he really needs it. Like I said, it's the foundation of your feeding program. You should never be feeding any less than one percent of their body weight in hay. And in fact, one and a half percent to two percent is is that optimal amount. So, and and I'm just was kind of going to ask what you guys, what type of hay you feed, and then we could talk a little bit about the energy requirements for a horse, and then how different hays may address. I love it. Well, well, you know what kind of hay we feed. We we have a hay source that's right around the corner from my farm, and typically they have some really quite decent orchard grass, some timothy, a little bit of sometimes a little bit of clover in the hay. It'll be interesting to see. They did not have a great hay crop this year, so it will be interesting to see uh, what happens for us. We may be looking for other sources, but um, so we feed a pretty local hay. And as Karen can tell you, at my barn, we do not have the problem of skinny creatures. Uh, if anything, no. it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, Karen, how do we make them skinny? but I am I am a free choice hay kind of girl you know being from Kentucky I like you know I like our horses out as much as possible but um and I feed as much hay as possible but that gets to be a bit tricky depending on the horses then we have some metabolic creatures (laughs) so at our house that's kind of what we feed but you know I'm very lucky because Karen's at our barn every day and when we get new hay I have her look at it yeah, so it's it's fun to be able to look at the different hays that come in, and then and then we kind of decide depending on what the hay looks like as to whether or not we need to feed more or less to meet the requirements of the horses. So and, it's always and exciting. Ours is pretty good, but this year our hay we had a lot of rain when they were bringing up the first cutting, and our hay source for the farm had trouble getting hay up. So. They even said, Reese, it doesn't look great. And I said, Karen, it doesn't look great. But they all seem to be eating it. And they're, nobody is skinny at our house. So I think sometimes you do have to make concessions. I mean, it, it, it's an agricultural product. And again, we do not have picky eaters at our house. So we, we're doing okay on this load. But it doesn't look great. But, you know, it is what no, it is. No, I mean, when you, when you have to wait to cut the hay like that, then you have a little more weed in it and you have a little more mature hay. But like you say, for... For your barn, where you have a lot of easy keepers, even though they're in hard work, they're they're relatively easy keepers, and they seem to maintain themselves really well on this 
um, more mature hay. And I don't see that you have, you've got one horse in there that is a thoroughbred that's a little bit more of a struggle to keep, to keep weight on, but she's getting right. some additional alfalfa cubes. And so that's really helping her. Right, right. So we, we give her some additional, we know that and we, and, but she's the only one, the rest of them are incredibly easy keepers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which does bring blood. in some other, but does bring in some other issues. We've got some with hay nets, the nibble nets, uh, because we want them to eat as much as they can, but we can't, we can't 100 percent just give them free choice. So that's one of the things right. that you we want do. them to. You want to slow them down so that they have hay to eat through the day, but that they're not eating this huge quantity. And the nibble nets work really well for that. Does slow them down. What so, about what you, you, Phil? Yeah. What kind of hay are you feeding up there in Canada? So I have to say, I think from our, our region, I think we have some of the most beautiful hay in the world. Yes. You know, I've toured around and, and so we are on Timothy alfalfa mix most of the time. Some, some grass hays as well. Uh, our summers we will get sometimes, usually two cuts. So if you need a, if, if a horse needs a little bit richer hay, then, then we can have a little bit of choice about that. But, uh, this year, I think we're getting beautiful hay, and we normally, when we, when they when they take the hay off, we'll take a bale and we'll do a little hay analysis just to just to confirm some things that that we know by look and by smell and by just just to figure out that that it, you know what what kind of grain we're going to need to be supplementing just in case. So we like to do that just kind of once a year. We have great local sources, you know, basically neighbors from all around that will supply the hay and. If we say we need a little bit more Timothy, they've got a field for that, you know, a hay coming off for that. Really knowledgeable farmers as well about hay, about horse hay in particular, because, uh, you know, large dairy industry around. So, you know, the, the dairy hay would be a little bit different. And then the beef cattle hay would be a little bit different. But, you know, longtime sources who, who know what we like and what we need and, and are very experienced in getting dry hay off that goes into our barn. Excellent. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I, I have to say the quality that, of hay that we can get for, you know, what I think is a reasonable price. So, um, very, and very. And you talked lucky. about having talked about having a hay analysis done, and and that's a really good thing to do, and it's really not that hard to do. There's a company called Equine Analytics out of Ithaca, New York, and they do hay sampling from just all over the country. They're very easy to work with. You can go on their website. They explain exactly how to take the sample, and and then you can just send it to them, and then they'll send you back a report. They're very helpful with helping you understand what the report says. And it just gives you some good information about the vitamins that or the minerals that might be in your particular yeah, yeah. Get a hay, protein level the protein, as well. That's something we look the, at. The yeah. sugar level, the NSC level in there, and that just kind of like you say, Philip, it kind of helps you. You know, if you've got a really it was a really good year and you got a really high protein in your hay, then you may be able to feed a lower protein in your grain, depending on, you know, what your horse yeah, needs. Yeah, so it's really adjustments. helpful to there's, do yeah, that. There's nothing going to be like crazy mm-hmm. out of whack, but it sort of gives you mm-hmm. a, a good guideline. And then, and then when we have our grain people come in and, and talk to us about, you know, well, they always say, Did you, do you get your hay analyzed? Because they're a bit uh, crazy about that, which is, which, you know, gets, gets us on it and, and, and make sure that we can provide stable supplementation for the horses that need it and, and, and all these great things. Okay. So, Yeah. And I thought I'd just kind of give you some numbers because a lot of people are like, well, you know, uh, people understand calories and calorie counting um, within themselves. I mean, a lot of people are doing that now. They're counting their calories. They're careful about what they eat. And, you know, you don't always hear, you know, people look at me and go, how many calories does my horse need? You know, 
So I went and I looked up some numbers that I thought were interesting. These are all based on a thousand pound horse, but a thousand pound horse that isn't working. So in other words, he's just kind of hanging out in the pasture, a right normal horse, regular kind of middle of the road metabolism needs 15,000 calories a day just to maintain normal body weight. An easy keeper needs 2,000 less calories a day. And uh, a, a, a hard keeper can need up to 16,000 or more calories per day to keep themselves in weight. So that, you know, there's quite a difference there when you're talking about, you know, maybe a horse, you have a horse that needs, you know, 1,500 or 2,000 more calories a day to keep their weight. So that's when, you know, the different haze come into play. So like your alfalfa haze or your haze that are heavy in clover can range anywhere from 1,100 kcals per pound to 1,000 kcals per pound. And your, just your grass hay, like our grass hay, Reese, that we feed, is probably somewhere between 850 and 900 kcals per pound. So if you're feeding, you know, if you're feeding 15 pounds of it, you know, that can be, that can be a big difference between how much how many calories your mixed yeah, grass yeah. hay is providing mm-hmm. versus Huge. your alfalfa. You know, so your your mixed grass hay at 15 pounds, which is one and a half percent of a body weight of a thousand pound horses, is providing 15,900 kilocalories a day. But if you are feeding a regular grass hay that's just, you know, a little bit more mature, then that's 13,600. So there's the 2,300 um, kcals difference in that. In that right. source, right? Yeah, something to think about. If, and that if you're can make the difference put... between a skinny horse and a fat yeah. horse. Yes, yes. You know, that's... absolutely. So it's a good way to make up calories. I think if you have a, a horse that's a hard keeper, the first thing that you should do to try to put condition back on them is to get a better hay that has more calories in it, because that's the healthiest way for your horse to gain weight. And what about Karen? Like, for example, at my barn, th- the majority of horses are easy keepers, and the one that isn't. You know, we feed her alfalfa cubes. And what do you think about supplementing? So if you are at a barn and maybe you don't like the hay, what are some supplements, you know, options that you have? Well, you need to go ahead and make sure that you're feeding at least, I like to go with one and a half percent of their body weight in hay. So even if it's a hay that they don't like that much or that, you know, they're eating it slowly or it's not keeping the weight on them, make sure you feed them that level of hay because they need that fiber going through their gut to remain healthy. And then if you, you know, you can feed a concentrated feed with that, um, depending on what your horse needs, it can be a regular feed or um, a low sugar, low starch feed. And then if your concentrate plus your hay isn't keeping the weight on the horse, that's when you turn to a fat supplement like our Endure Extra or our Equijoule. And I think um, Blue in your barn is on the Endure Extra as well to Mm -hmm. kind of help. She is. And that's that's just a real concentrated source of of calories. And the fat is a very safe source of calories for horses because it doesn't cause those hormone spikes that can, can get, give them problems and it doesn't escape into their gut and cause problems. So yeah. fat and is that's a, a good, very good, good yeah. energy supplement. Yeah. And what about like and for your you know, alfalfa cubes or, or sorry, yes, alfalfa, alfalfa cubes are, or pellet, uh, hay pellets. Do you suggest yes. those? Yep. But you have to look at them. You have to look at the pellet. So depending on what the pellet is made of. So uh, like a Timothy pellet or a Timothy cube is going to have be less energy dense than something that has the legumes in it, that has the, the, the uh, alfalfa in it. So when you're looking at um, increasing your horse's energy level with a cube, make sure you look at the cube itself and decide which one is most appropriate for your horse because they're not all the same. Usually you can find a Timothy cube, a Timothy alfalfa cube, or a pure alfalfa cube. 
And I like to soak my cubes just because you don't have to necessarily, but I like to soak them because it just gets a little bit more moisture in them, less chance of them choking on it. Same thing with pellets. You know, you have to look at the pellet and not all alfalfa pellets are the same. So you'll want to look at the protein level on the alfalfa pellet and you'll want to look at the fiber level on the alfalfa pellet so that, you know, the higher the fiber level, the lower the energy level typically. So those are the things you want to look at when you're looking for a supplemental source of, of fiber. Fantastic. Well, I love it. Well, hay is is a huge source of, uh, you know, it, it can be good and bad, but I think that hopefully this is a good hay 101. And Karen from Kentucky Performance Products, you are so fantastic. I, like I said, I am lucky because Karen's in my barn every day, so I have great resources. But Karen, if, if somebody needed to chat with you, how can they find you online? They can go to our Facebook page and either do a private message or leave a question on the Facebook page itself. You can call us. We're open five days a week from 8 to 5 Eastern Standard Time. And the phone number is 859-873-2974. Or you can go on our website and you can email us. There's email addresses on underneath the contact area. You can email me directly or you can email us at info at kpp.com. So there's lots of ways to get a hold of us and happy to answer any questions that folks have. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Karen, and we look forward to our segment next month. All right. You guys have a nice day. Well, Phil, as we all know, I am in love with my Total Saddle Fit Stability Stirrup Leathers. Love them. Use them today. Working on my extended trot with Big Mike. Yeah. Any help I can get, I like. So as we know, these are fantastic stirrup leathers. I use them every day, and I know you do as well. Yeah, it's it's really great product, and it goes well with with Fetch Tech shoulder release girths and and all the other products that we've been able to to try out and test out from Total Saddle Fit. We just love the company, and they have great deals on shipping going on. They can get you their products pretty darn fast. Check it all out at totalsaddlefit.com. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, you and I are up for the Total Saddle Fit tip of the week uh, because I actually have a really good tip from today. And I will be very excited to have Dominique Lean, who's my assistant, who gets a shout out because she's been working really hard around here. We're really busy right now and I couldn't do it without her. But she's getting her young thoroughbred mare ready for the thoroughbred makeover. And this is a really interesting process. It's a great program and it's a difficult program uh, because, you know, you're taking a young horse that's already had a career doing something else. Um, I don't actually know her race record. I know she raced and I know she did well for a little bit, but they brought her off the track, I think, because they didn't want to hurt her. Um, but this particular mare has been has been quite challenging to train. And one of the things, uh, she's sensitive. That's why she's, she's going to be super nice, but she's sensitive. So Dom went to a horse show a couple weeks ago, and she really struggled with the overhead sound system. Not necessarily the announcer, but the music. So again, you know, we've, we always say it's really important to take young horses on field trips and it is because you can really, it's a good way to test and see what you can train, but it turned out we didn't know she was so sound sensitive to music. So I happen to be lucky. I have not a fancy overhead system, but I do have an overhead music system. So today Dom said, Hey, does that work? I said, yeah, it works. I use it for freestyles. 
she said, I think we need to play a freestyle for her, some music. And we did. She really struggled with the overhead music. And, and it's in drum rides. We, we actually have music playing off the phone in the arena. Like it's, I, I like to ride the music. So, but I don't always use it, the overhead system, because it's just a wheel, you know, it's a bit of a pain to use. But it, it also just kind of made me think about this when you train horses. Some horses are actually quite sound sensitive. And Big Mike, yeah, who I, I talk I about. A, yeah. yeah, I think that a lot of them are actually, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, they got a, the way they're designed, right, to be sensitive mm-hmm. to sights and sounds. So if you're if you're only, you know, training the, you know, the busy stuff going on or other horses in the arena, and I think almost all shows that you go to now have, you know, loudspeakers because they have to play mm-hmm. the freestyles and stuff. And so if you haven't yep. sort of trained that a little bit at home or at least set up a little boom box or, or a Bluetooth speaker or something, you might get a bit of a shock. Yeah, and, and it was the overhead. It doesn't bother her when it's low, you know, like a boombox. That okay. doesn't bother yeah. her. You can ride all day yeah. long with that. It was the overhead noise, and it proved to be okay. quite a difficult challenge, you know. So we will be having music on overhead for <laughs> maybe the next okay. multiple months, you know. So it was a good way just to remember. But my other horses that are sound sensitive, like Big Mike, Big Mike is super sensitive to, like, if there's a gator in the distance. Like, he's always been sensitive about sound. And um, I ride him. His nickname is Bonnet Boy because <laughs> I actually ride him all the time in the ear bonnet. Sometimes they take not the, the sound-protecting ones, but sometimes they just ride him in a regular bonnet. It makes a big difference for that horse. I also have one other horse here in training that's quite sound-sensitive. So if somebody bangs something or in the distance, they hear it. and it, it, I have other horses that it, that kind of noise wouldn't bother them at all. Yeah. Yeah, lots of horses yeah. are completely oblivious, or they're just so focused on the riding that mm-hmm. that you know the, the noises don't don't matter. But when you train in the winter in Canada and oh, you have yeah. ice sliding off the roof, that is can oh. be a real dangerous situation. Yeah, and for sure, I would never ride in Canada going. in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> But it happens. Some of us do, right? No, I'm sorry. Um, when, I, when I'm in Kentucky, we have ice fall off the the roof here too. I, I I'm just yeah. a chicken. I won't ride. Not gonna lie. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it can be very helpful. You were talking about the bonnets, and now, mm-hmm. I mean, even at the shows, I think this year or last year, they mm-hmm. legalized the not soundproof but dampening mm-hmm. bonnets, and so I think that's been a really good introduction of something that that helps. So, yeah. yeah, you know, so you know, I've got I've got one or two, you know, different sizes. And, you know, if I'm worried about the extra sound going on or we have mm-hmm. the long care guy coming around or whatever, I just, you know, throw the bonnet on and uh, mm-hmm. and it's just something to try. Anyways, if you have a horse that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. really sensitive and it is so legal. So, mm-hmm. you know, why that's not? Right. It can make your life easier. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, yeah, it just, it was it's something today I thought, well, I have a trainer tip. I know, I know what we're, we're going to talk about tonight because it, it is something to train and something to think about. And it was, it was an interesting, it was a good exercise today. Uh, and again, she, she'll, she settled down and, and she didn't like it, but she settled in and, and now she'll work every day with the radio on above her and, and, and by the horse yeah, show in October, yeah. she'll be okay. Yeah, she'll be all right. It was just yeah, a good thing yeah. for Dom to read it and, and to do it. So I hope that helps if you have a horse that's sound sensitive. And as always, if you have email and Facebook shout outs or questions for us for trainer tips, please let us know and we'll be happy to discuss them.
And just a reminder, our book club book, our newest edition is Core Conditioning for Horses, a yoga-inspired warm-up technique. And that's by Simon Krakosa. And you can find it at horseandriderbooks.com. And thank you again to Trafalgar for working with us to uh, continuing support. We always appreciate it. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on the show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week.